This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Then my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 5. We'll be picking up in 1 John chapter 5 this morning. Now before this service, I didn't bring the reference. Before this service, what the Lord put on my heart, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, we live in a time, we live in a culture when out there in the world, in the culture, there is a belief, and people have this belief, they live as if this belief is true, that you can just live however you want, and you're going to get a good result or an okay result. But it is a lie, and it is terribly destructive. Jesus said, narrow is the road or the path that leads to life. And few find it, but broad is the road or the path that leads to destruction. And so people head down this road of believing, we just live however we want, just do whatever we want, just act however we want. And really what that is, that's a life where you're, you're putting yourself first. Your wants, your desires, your needs, your feelings. You're, you're putting yourself first ahead of God. If you're married, ahead of your husband or wife, if you have children, ahead of your children, you're putting self first, which is a selfish way to live. And in the end, it leads where? To death. Or as Jesus said, destruction. Jesus put it this way in John 10, 10, that the thief who is Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when people head down the road of living however they want and doing whatever they want, and acting however they want, what does it lead to? It leads to stealing, killing, and destroying. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. God loves us and Jesus loves us and he wants us to live an abundant life in every area of life. If you're married, he wants you to have an abundant life in your marriage. If you have children, in your parenting, in your family. He wants you to have an abundant life. That whatever God has gifted and talented you to do with your life, with your labor, with your hands, God wants you to have an abundant life. But in days when this culture, and now even in the church world, people are of the mindset or the belief, we just do however we want. We just live however we want, and we're going to get a good result. That is a lie. 
There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end it leads where? To death. In the past year, I was listening to the radio and I actually heard a sermon where someone said that, well, God has a particular plan and no matter what you do, no matter your choices, no matter your decisions, you're gonna get to your destination. Well, well, that's a lie. If you get on the highway after church today and drive east, you're not going west. You are never going to get to El Paso or to Phoenix or to Los Angeles. And so our Heavenly Father wants us to have an abundant life. But we have to live a certain way. We have to live for God. We have to put God first. And in every area of life, we have to live the way the Bible teaches. So people want to believe that it doesn't matter what we do. But consider again 1 John 3, beginning in verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us. And again, why, why might someone's heart condemn them? Because they're not obeying God. They're, they're not living the life. Or as we will learn, they're not walking in love. And the love command fulfills all the commands of God. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Why? Because we obey his commands and we do what pleases him. So you see, what leads to the abundant life? Obeying the commands of God and doing what pleases him. What leads to the abundant life? Living in a way that pleases God. And yes, we live in wicked days. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. We live in days like the days of Lot and Sodom. There, there's wickedness all around us. Noah's day was a wicked day, yet Noah lived to please God. The Bible calls him a righteous man. So how do we walk in the abundant life? How do we live a life of answered prayer? By obeying the commands of God and doing what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us, to believe and to love. Why don't we say that? Say, to believe, to believe. And, to love. and to love. You might say, Austin, I don't feel like walking in love. Well, it's a command. We're, we're to walk in love. We're to do what's right. We're to put God first, no matter how we feel. If you're married, you're to do what's right, and you're to walk in love, and you're to prioritize your spouse no matter how you feel. If you're, you're a mom or a dad, you're to walk in love. You're to do what's right. You're to parent and guide and to discipline and train and correct in a godly way no matter how you feel. This is the command to believe and to love. And see, the love of God, as we've learned, it's not like worldly love. Worldly love is selfish. When someone has worldly love, it's all about them and what they want and what they need and what they desire, them ahead of everyone else. The love of God is the opposite, to do what's right and to put God first, to do what's right and to put your husband or wife first, to do what's right, to put your children first, to do what's right and to put pleasing God ahead of everything else. This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. We learned in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. Our heavenly father is love. 
and we learn that we are to love one another. John calls that command both an old command and a new command. And it's new because it is fulfilled perfectly in Christ. We're to believe and we're to love. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 17, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. Like who? Like Jesus. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the example. And so, just when you think you've got one area mastered, just, just when you think you're, you're, you're living the way you ought to live, we, we can always improve, we can always do better, we can always change for the better, because the example is like, the example is Jesus. John says, because in this world we are like him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We learned last Sunday that, that love doesn't mean that we, we lie to people. Love doesn't mean that we tell people what they want to hear. Love means that we, we speak the truth in love and we uphold the standards of God. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. That's a strong word, but it is a reminder that what we believe is reflected in what we do. So don't, don't, don't call yourself a brother. Don't call yourself a Christian if you walk in hate. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. And this week is Thanksgiving. We're coming up to the holidays. We're coming up to Christmas. We all have plenty of opportunities to walk in love. Amen. You're like, I'm not sure about having so-and-so over to my house. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about when they come over. I'm, I might hide some of the pies I made. See, this, this is an opportunity to walk in love. This is an opportunity to speak the truth in love. This is the opportunity for grace and for mercy. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So God is love, and we are to love one another. And as we've learned, the love command, it fulfills all the commands of God. You can think of the Ten Commandments. If I, if I love my brother, I'm not going to murder my brother. If I love my brother, I'm not going to try and cheat my brother or steal from my brother. If I love my brother or sister, I'm not going to covet anything that they have. The love command fulfills every command. And as we've been learning, why did God give us these commands? Because he loves us. He wants us to experience his best. Go back to John 10 and verse 10. What kind of life does he want us to live? He wants us to live an abundant life. But you're never gonna get there if you don't obey God. You're never gonna get there if you don't walk in love. You'll never get to the abundant life if you don't walk in love in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting. God is love and we're to love one another. Now let's continue in 1 John chapter five. 1 John five, beginning in verse one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We learn, we learn in Paul's epistles that once we become a part of the family of God, our lives are no longer our own. 
We are bought at a price. The, the, once you're born again, you are, as Paul says, a, a new creation in Christ Jesus, a, a new person in Christ Jesus. And we are to live this life as a new person in Christ Jesus. So the old you, whoever that was, they're, they're gone. They are dead. They are buried with Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone loves the Father, loves his child as well. In the Gospels, there were those that believed in Jesus, but there were those that didn't. Some religious leaders did believe, like Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea, but many rejected him. And they, they wanted to believe that they could believe in God and not, not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But Jesus said, to know him is to know the Father. To know the Father is to know him. To believe in the Father is to believe in him. To love the Father is to love him. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. See, there, there are people that say, I, I love Jesus, but they don't live for Jesus. They say that they love Jesus. But go back to the previous chapter, to chapter 4. Because in this world, we are like him. They, they say, I love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But there's nothing in their life that looks anything like Jesus. See, how, how do we evidence that we really know God? How do we evidence that we really love God and we really love Jesus? This is love for God. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. See, my love for God is evidenced in my obedience to God. My love for God and my love for Jesus and my love for the Word of God is evidenced in my carrying out His commands. Verse 3, this is love for God. You know, there's nothing wrong with the hug, nothing wrong with feelings. But see, as Christians, we're to walk by faith, we're to walk by the Word of God. And a lot of people, they, they walk by feelings, they walk by sentimentality, they, they walk by words, oh yes, I love God, but they don't walk with God. Oh yes, I love God, but they don't obey God. Oh, oh yes, I love God, but they're not doers of the word of God. Oh yes, I love God, but on the first Sunday of November, they're nowhere to be found. On the second Sunday of November, they're nowhere to be found. On the third Sunday of November, they're nowhere to be found. On the, the fourth Sunday in November, they're nowhere to be found. Now, this is on my mind because it was this time last year. I think it was the day after Thanksgiving or maybe even on Thanksgiving Day, I got an emergency email about someone needing emergency counseling for a young person on the wrong road, on the wrong track. But when I read the email, I thought, when was the last time I saw them in church in the house of God. And I, I share that to illustrate the point. People say, I, oh yes, I love God. But our love is evidenced in the life we live. Our love is evidenced in our carrying out the commands of God. This is love for God, to obey. Why don't we say, say to obey? To obey. See, and every parent understands this. My children make me oh so happy when they obey and they obey quickly. You know, if I have to repeat it several times, if I have to argue it like I'm a prosecutor or a defense attorney, sometimes I'm not sure which it is. 
If I have to, you know, if our five-year-old, if I have to say, now, if you don't obey, you are going to get a spanking. That, that doesn't bring me joy. That doesn't bring me satisfaction. This is love for God to obey his commands. So how does someone know that Austin loves God? By my obedience. How does someone know that you truly love God and you truly love Jesus? It is by your obedience. And you might be having trouble with this, but think about it. What kind of life can God bless? The obedient life. What kind of God can, what kind of life can God prosper? The obedient life. What kind of life can our Heavenly Father favor? The obedient life. This is love for God to obey his commands. You know, if you're a parent, when your children don't obey, or you have to press them to obey, or you have to make them obey, does that make you want to reward them with whatever is on the Christmas list? Well, of course not. You might be saying, you know what, let's go to your room. We need to identify some things to give away, to be a blessing. Because clearly with this attitude, you have too many blessings. This is love for God to obey his commands. Now, there's another lie out there that serving God is hard or serving God is difficult or that if you, you come to, to God, that from that point forward, life is going to be no fun. Those are lies. Those are worldly lies. Those are religious lies. This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. But see, when just this morning, go do what I ask, go brush your teeth, go put your shoes on. You know, well, I, I want a I breakfast drink like Samuel had. Well, we're, we're out of time. Go brush your teeth, go get your shoes on. Go brush your teeth, go get your, your shoes on. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. So the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but gather more and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, it's Sunday, oh! I can go to church. I, I, was, I was there last Sunday, two weeks in a row. That, that's too much. Oh. I know the Bible says, walk in love, but I don't feel like I want to. See, so many believers act like it's a great big pain, a great big difficulty, a great big problem to obey God when it's obeying God that leads to a blessed life. It's obeying God that leads to the abundant life. I love it in the Old Testament. I believe in Proverbs. It talks about a, a highway being paved. Jessica and I were over on Broad the other day. You know, it's amazing how many times they fixed Broad Street here in Mansfield. And yet, no matter what kind of car you drive, no matter how big the tires are, when you drive down Broad, it is like this. And so now their new solution, they're just putting asphalt on top of the concrete which is a band-aid, it is a, a quick fix. But the Bible talks about how God, he makes a path, a highway for the righteous. Now in Europe, they have a highway called the Autobahn. And it's amazing how long it's been there. It's in much better shape than anything in the Metroplex. But they get on the, the Autobahn in those European cars and they, they can move and they can go quickly without hitting a pothole that you, you, you and the rest of your car falls into. 
But see, when you live God's way and you obey God and you do life and work and marriage and family and parenting God's way, it, it creates a smooth highway before you. And it's not that there won't ever be any challenges or difficulties to overcome, but you set aside all the trouble that we bring upon ourselves because of living life selfishly or doing our own thing or living for the world or living for Satan and opening the door to trouble, that stealing, that killing, that destroying. This is love for God, to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Why, why don't we say that? Say, say, my heavenly father's commands, they are not burdensome. So look, stop acting like a five-year-old. We got a two-year-old. You know, sometimes we'll say, no, so she, she, now occasionally she tells me no, and that, that we are not going to put up with that. Amen. Stop acting like a five-year-old, or stop acting like a two-year-old who, who throws themselves to the floor. Ju Emily did that in the kitchen the other day. You know, Jessica, I didn't do quite what she wanted. She just threw herself to the kitchen floor. That doesn't fix anything. His commands are not burdensome. And so if we'll do life God's way and do marriage and family and parenting and work and everything in every area of life God's way, we'll be better off. Why don't we say it again? Say, my heavenly father's commands are not burdensome. And I'm specifically saying my heavenly father because that's who he is. If you're born again, if you're part of the family, he is your father. You know, when we say, say God, that makes it sound so distant, so far off, so remote. But if you're born again, if you're part of the family, he's your father. And so when he says, don't do this or don't head down that road, it's for your good. It's for your benefit. When he, when he says, don't live that way, don't head down that road of immorality, it is for your good. But when he says, do this and you shall live, it is for your good. It is for your blessing it is for your benefit. And the sooner we cooperate, the sooner we'll walk in his blessings. The sooner we cooperate, the sooner we'll walk in his goodness. The sooner we cooperate, or like imagine the parent telling a younger child what to do, the sooner they listen, they obey, they cooperate, the sooner everyone is happy, and the sooner there is a blessed result. This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And this is good news, because everyone born of God does what? They overcome the world. And see, people who are lost, or people that don't know God, or people that are raised in religion, they don't understand this. And as I said, yes, you live life God's way, things are easier. Live life God's way. He creates a smooth highway before you, but we, we still live in a sinful, fallen world. There are are still challenges to overcome, but the good news is in Christ, we're overcomers. And so whatever the problem or the challenge or the difficulty or the setback, we are overcoming. We have the victory. We have the victory in Christ. And we're enforcing that victory in Christ. Why don't we say this? Say, I'm an overcomer. Say it this way. Say, I am overcoming. And so you can picture whatever the problem Whatever the challenge, whatever the difficulty is, say it again. Say, I am overcoming. I am overcoming. Say, say I, have the victory. I have the victory. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So our faith, our faith in God, and our faith in his word, and our faith in Jesus Christ, it is what enables us and empowers us to overcome. Obeying God and living life God's way and doing that in righteousness is easier than living your way or the world's way or Satan's way. Every command in the word of God is for our benefit, for our good. God gave us every command because he, he loves us. You know, last Sunday I referred to, I had a professor when I was in college at TCU and, you know, he was in the English department, so why this came up in English, I have no idea. But he, he loved to mock and make fun of some of the dietary laws in the Old Testament. But when I teach the students here at St. Paul's, I explain that they were an ancient people living in an ancient land. They were, they were in the desert and arid regions. God loved his people. And so he gave them those rules so that they would live long, healthy lives. Praise God that Jesus pronounced all foods clean. And that means every kind of pie you want to have this week is okay. Amen. But it doesn't change the fact that if you eat every week like it's Thanksgiving, there's going to be a problem. Every command is for our good. Every command is for our benefit. Every command is for our blessing. So live life God's way. Live morally God's way. The Bible tells us that our lives are no longer our own. The Bible tells us that we're to honor God, yes, even with our bodies. The Bible tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're married, do marriage God's way. If you have children, parent God's way. In your career or work, do everything that you do with excellence, do it God's way. Heard just this week about a situation someone has at work where there's a coworker that's unkind, I guess the right word would be mean, and the coworker makes fun of them and makes fun of them in front of other workers. Now, your flesh might wanna, you know, pop them upside the head or punch them in the nose. But you get written up, you get fired. So what, what does the word of God tell us to do? This is his command, to believe and to love. See, we're to walk in love. And while you walk in love, no matter how it feels, you have to remember like Joseph, our promotion, our increase comes from the Lord. So we look to the Lord. We do what's right and we look to the Lord. When we do what's right and we endure the scorn of the world or those that are a part of the world system, but we walk in love. In your work, work with excellence. Work with excellence God's way. As Paul says, do everything as unto the Lord. If you're at a place where there's unethical stuff going on, you need to make a change. You can't be a part of that, and God bless you. If you want to overcome in any area of life, live God's way. The answer for every problem in every area of life is in the Word of God. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. Jesus said in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
Then John writes in 1 John 5 and verse 5, Who is it that overcomes? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We live in a time in this world where people say, believe in this, believe, believe in that. True life, true salvation, true peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so John says, who is it that overcomes? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now in John's day, there were those that denied that Jesus came in the flesh, but the Bible tells us that Jesus came in the flesh. John writes in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. I love reading the Christmas story here at church every year. By the Holy Spirit, he was conceived in the womb of Mary. Her water broke. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came by water and blood. He, he was baptized. John the Baptist baptized our Lord and Savior. That was a physical thing. And water symbolizes cleansing. Water symbolizes a new beginning. Water symbolizes a new life in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about how we're, we're washed with the water of the word. Now, my, my family likes to tease me, and it's not Bible, but it's good. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And my, my father likes to tell a story on me when I was a teenager, and on Saturday mornings, I would wash the cars, and he, he likes to joke that I would come home from prayer, and I'd take a shower and get dressed for the day, and I'd take a shower and get cleaned up to go outside and wash the cars. And then I'd come back inside, take another shower, and get dressed again for the day. And he, he liked to tease me about how over the top that was. But see, in our lives, Paul says we're washed with what? We're washed with the water of the Word. But what if we don't spend any time in the Word? What, what if the only time we open the Bible up is when we're in, we have an emergency? What, what if we're, we're never in church to hear the Word of God? See, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he came by both water and by blood. And there were those in John's day that denied that, that he came in the flesh. We, we spoke of healing, the healing power of God. He, he bore our sicknesses. He bore our diseases. The, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. When they, they whipped him and they, they flogged him and pulled the flesh off his body, he bled on our behalf. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and had the burden upon him of what he was about to do on our behalf. Yeah, yes, he sweated, but he, he sweated blood. He was the Word made flesh. And he came by both water and by blood. And when they put him on that cross and he gave up his spirit and he paid the price for my sins and your sins, they wanted to make sure he was dead. So a Roman soldier took a spear and stuck it in his side. The Bible says that water and blood flowed forth. 
Well, we're not talking about theoretical things. What he did, he did for you and for me. He, he did it in the flesh. He is just as real as I am speaking to you today. He is the one who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and they are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. The Roman soldiers pierced his side. Blood flowed forth. Water flowed forth. There, it was dark. There were earthquakes. Roman, centurion, Roman soldiers standing there said, surely this must be the son of God. Well, we're not talking about something that is theoretical. He did all that he did for you and me so we could be a part of the family of God, so we could be the children of God, so we could be sons and daughters of God. He did all that he did so we could have that abundant life that he spoke of. But we just can't live however we want. We have to live for him. Because as John says, in this world we are like him. Like who? Like Jesus. Verse 10 Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. You know, that, that's the answer. You go to the store and people are lost and people are hurting and people are confused. I, there are young people here today. You go, to, you go to school and there are young people and they're lost and they're, they're confused and they're hurting. And they want answers. They want truth. The answer is Jesus. That should be our testimony coming from our hearts. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son, Jesus. Verse 12, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. And it is that simple. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Please bow your heads. If you have believed upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have life. You have the life of God. And as we learn today, you are an overcomer. And you're part of the family of God. Father God will help you. But you might be here today and say, Austin, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never asked him into my heart. And I know that I do not have life in my life. I do not have life in my heart. I'm lost. I'm alone. I'm hurting. I live my life for self. And I've come to the end of that. When Jesus went through Samaria, he came to a woman that was lost. She had lived life her way. She had done things her way. And because of that, no, no one wanted to be her friend. No one wanted to know her. She was an outcast of her community. She had come to the well to draw water. And Jesus said, he who drinks of the water I give him will never thirst again. 
and he spoke of living water. That's how John could write, he who has the Son has life. This world that we live in, it'll lie to you, it'll tell you that you can believe whatever you want. You can come up with your own path to God. You can make your own way. That is a lie. And it ends in nothing but destruction. Jesus said, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. True life, salvation, true hope, true joy, true, true peace, true satisfaction can only be found in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is standing outside the door of your life. He's knocking. But you have to open the door and ask him to come in. If you're here today and say, Austin, I have never given my life to him. I have never asked Jesus into my heart. But I want to. I need to. I want to give my life to him. I want this life that you have spoken of. I want that in my life. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it. I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus in my heart. I want to give him my life. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might be here today and at a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart, you're not living for God, been doing your own thing, and you have paid the price. There has been stealing and killing and destroying, and there has been destruction in your life. You have paid the price. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says, it's in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can leave here today with the new beginning and a fresh start. You can leave here today knowing that you have peace with God. If you're here today, say, Austin, pray with me. I need to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God before I go today. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it. I'll know you want me to pray with you. Thank you. See the hand? See the hand? I'm going to ask that those that raise their hands for either invitation, come join me at the front. We're going to pray. No one will think a thing of it. They'll be excited for you. They'll be cheering you on. The Bible says that when one person comes to the Lord, all of heaven rejoices. Bring your Bible, purse, whatever you brought with you. That way you're not thinking about it. But come join me at the front. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, but the Lord is dealing with your heart. And you know that this is for you. Join us. We're going to pray. God has nothing but good for you and good for you in your life. God bless you. Amen. Amen. We'll wait for them. We're going to pray. God bless you. God bless you. Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I give my life to you. I believe that Jesus, he was born on my behalf. I believe he lived without sin. I believe he took my sins upon himself and he paid the price I deserve to pay. I believe 
he suffered and he died on my behalf. And I believe you raised him from the dead. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. I thank you for life. I thank you for eternal life. I thank you for abundant life in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to give some things to you to be a blessing. If you'll take just a moment and go with Shauna Brewer and Cameron Butler. They're going to give you some things to be a blessing and they'll get you right back in the service. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, man. And in your life, in any area, when you're thinking about obeying God, you're pondering obeying God and his word, or maybe you've been walking with God a while and God's been dealing with you and something, about something in your life or a point or a step of obedience, you've been thinking about it, obey God. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. He wants us to walk in green pastures. He wants us to be beside still waters. He wants us to overcome. But we have to obey. We have to cooperate. We have to live life God's way. And I know many times we want an explanation but he's God, and we're not. He's the Father, and in your life, you're, you're not the Father, he is, and he expects us to obey. Just like me at breakfast this morning, I expect everyone to get their shoes on in orderly fashion, amen, and jackets on in orderly fashion. I don't need to explain it why. I'm the dad, and we're going to church, and it's time to get your shoes and jackets on and get your Bibles, we're, we're going on the way. And if everyone will just cooperate, many blessings are headed your way. Amen?